Uh, as Kevin began and shared a little bit about Advent, Advent is a time of expectancy. We are expecting and hoping something, and we're looking forward to something that's good. Often, though, the reason that we're looking forward to something good is because we're looking around us and we're seeing pain, and we're seeing that the world is not the way it ought to be, and that's why we have hope for something better. We're living through that a little bit as a church this season in an unexpected way for us. Uh, many of you know Cindy Limbrick, who uh, came on our staff this summer, usually sits in the back in our worship booth. She produces our services and helps lead. And Friday morning, uh, she discovered that her husband had been killed in a car wreck. And that uh, goes without saying, that, that begins. that's an amazing thing. That's a, a devastating thing. And Cindy's advent has shifted. So she's not with us here this morning. And her husband, Chuck, um, his, he was actually a uh, worship leader at Emmanuel Missionary Church. And so this morning they're meeting and they're trying to figure out uh, as they're recovering from that loss as well. And so this is a hard time. And, it, and it's, it's interesting is, is actually what we're going to get into in the, the word today has to do with this thought of expectation and calling out to God when you're in a time of pain. And that's where Cindy is, and that's where we are who know her and who know, who know Chuck. And so I would like to uh, begin this morning uh, just with a moment of prayer and inviting us to come together. Because when we are in pain, we take that to God and we let him begin to do what he does. And so I invite you to pause with me. Let's pray for Cindy and Chuck's family. So Father, we cry out to you this morning on behalf of Cindy, on behalf of all of Chuck's friends and his family, on behalf of his church, on behalf of us. We have the expectation that you care, that you want to be present, that you want to bring peace, that you want to comfort. And so we call on you to do that and be very present with her today. Lord, there's nothing for us to fix. There's nothing for us to say that makes it all better. So we go to you and we say, would you see Cindy today? Would you regard her? Help us to know uh, in the days and weeks and months, years ahead, how to, to support and love her. But for this week, we pray for her. We pray for us that are hurting because our friend is hurting. We pray for Emmanuel Missionary Church this morning, Lord, as they are uh, broken before you. And God, we thank you that even though uh, there's a lot that we don't understand about the ways that you work and the things that you let happen we do have hope that you care and you see and you do act and you are involved and we call upon you. That is the God we believe in. And that is the God you've revealed yourself to be. So in this Advent season, as we try to reenter the expectancy of hoping for Jesus, uh, we find ourselves still hoping for Jesus and we hope for you today. In Christ's name we pray, amen. Yeah, this, uh, 
Christmas is, this is not the story that we're supposed to hear at Christmas. It's Christmas where we want to hear stories of, of joy and, and uh, laughter and trees. The, Christmas is a time to send out joyful Christmas pictures. Here's an example of a Christmas card we sent out last year. Yay, there's a, there's a family that must be so happy and well-adjusted, right? <laughs> That's what you see. What are you not seeing? You're not seeing the other photos, the outtakes, the photos of us arguing about where we're going to stand, about what we're going to wear, about how much longer this will take. And sometimes even the kids argued, too. But you also don't see some of the other photos of the year. You don't see the photos of loss and grief and pain. You don't see the times that we cried. You don't see the times that we failed. You don't see the times that we sinned against each other. We don't post those photos. That's not the image. That's not the portrait that we mail out. We mail out this one because it looks great and there may be some Photoshop going on. Best foot forward. But we don't see those other pictures. Who does see them? This Christmas, you may have some portraits of great joy from the last year, and you may be just uh, abounding with that, but you also may have some scenes that you, that no one else sees, or maybe that you don't want anyone else to see, portraits of pain and anger and sadness. This Advent, we're reminded that God cares about all of our portraits, the ones that we proudly show off to our friends and the ones that are hanging in the backs of our closet. And God says, I see them all. These portraits usually have captions at the bottom like this. God, why haven't you done something? God, when are you going to move? Lord, how long do I have to put up with this? And these portraits are actually uh, what we would call a lament. A lament is a passionate cry for divine help. We don't talk about laments too often, but that's actually a very necessary and powerful part of our journey of faith. I read about a man named Daniel who was involved in an accident a few years ago that paralyzed him from the waist down. And one thing he said about was this. He said, God has not healed my affliction, but he has taught me the power of lamenting to him about it. And that phrase stuck me, the power of lamenting. Say that with me. The power of lamenting. Recently, I spent some time talking with a counselor, and I realized I don't really know the power of lamenting. Uh, my response to pain is to work harder. I just go paint a portrait of productivity, and that's the way I'm dealing with that. But that strategy is robbing me of the power of lamenting. And if you actually go to our website uh, right now, there's a, a story up by one of our members about lamenting. This is what she said. Lament reveals our deepest fears, our deepest selves, to the one who created us, the one who gently waits for us to reveal to him what he already knows. What is going on in your heart, she says? Where, where, what might you need to lament? The helplessness of seeing someone you love in pain, the racial division that we're surrounded with, a wound from your past, the thought of children being sold into trafficking. I encourage you, allow yourself to feel it. Bring it to your creator, your loving and kind father, and you may be surprised at how he meets you there. 
This isn't usually the, the topic that you think that we begin Advent with, but this is where people are. And I want you to hear today that God calls us to lament. It's a way that he speaks with us. And we see this so powerfully in the Psalms, which are our Advent focus for this year. The rest of the Bible is God's word to us, but the Psalms are prayers God's given us to pray back to him. Sometimes you say, well, I don't know how to pray. And God said, I'll give you a whole book. Pray these things. And David, who is the author of many of the Psalms, would do this. This is how he would lament. He, he had faith in how the world ought to be, but he looked around and he saw how the world was, and they were different, and he said, I'm going to take this to God, and I'm going to lament. Because our hearts are like rivers of emotion, and sometimes we don't know what to do with them, and they overflow, but the Psalms are like channels on a river, and they, they, they help guide the way that we're feeling to a place of hope, and that's to God. The Psalms teaches, here's how you cry out to God. So this morning, our first psalm for this Advent season is going to be Psalm 80, and I'd love it if you would turn with us to Psalm 80, and we're going to see a portrait of pain that David is going to take to God. Now, this portrait of pain was painted about 700 years before Jesus Christ was born. The Assyrian Empire had just plowed through the nation, the northern kingdom of God's people, and almost wiped them out. Their homes were lost, their families were torn asunder, their places of worship were burned, they were reeling from the grief of losing themselves. Who are we anymore, they wondered. And the survivors lamented. And so what they did is they cried out to their shepherd. They cried out to the keeper of their vineyard. And let me just read the whole thing and let it wash over you. Here's what they said. Psalm 80. Give ear, O shepherd of Israel, you who lead Joseph like a flock, you who are enthroned upon the cherubim, the angels, shine forth before Ephraim and Benjamin and Manasseh. Stir up you might and come and save us. Restore us, O God. Let your face shine that we might be saved. O Lord God of hosts, how long will you be angry with your people's prayers? You have fed them with the bread of tears and given them tears to drink in full measure. You make us an object of contention for our neighbors, and our enemies laugh among themselves. Restore us, O God of hosts. Let your light face shine that we may be saved. You brought a vine out of Egypt. You drove out the nations and planted it. You cleared the ground for it. It took deep root and filled the land, and the mountains were covered with its shade. The mighty cedars with its branches. It sent out its branches to the sea, and it shoots to the river. Why then? Why then? Have you broken down its walls so that all who pass along the way pluck its fruit? The boar from the forest ravages it, and all that move in the field feed on it. Turn again, O God of hosts. Look down from heaven and see. Have regard for this vine, the stock that your right hand planted, and for the son whom you made strong for yourself. They have burned it with fire. They have cut it down. May they perish at the rebuke of your face. But let your hand be on the man of your right hand, the son of man whom you have made strong for yourself. Then we shall not turn back from you. Give us life, and we will call upon your name. And then they repeat, restore us, O Lord God of hosts. Let your face shine that we may be saved. If I was going to title this portrait. I think I'd just call it Restore Us, God. That's their cry three times we see. 
Now, now I want to walk back through this just for a minute, and I want to show you, like, how, how do we take this as a model for us to take our prayers, our laments, our griefs to God? Look how they start out in verse 1. Give ear, O shepherd of Israel. Now, that seems pretty nice, but here's what they're saying. God, listen up. Wake up. A shepherd is responsible for protecting the flock, and God was supposed to be their shepherd, but this shepherd's sleeping. And don't you know that when the Assyrians began to plow through their land, they prayed, and they prayed, God, stop this, stop this. And what they hear? Nothing. So now they're like, have you fallen asleep? Wake up. O Lord God of hosts, how long will you be angry with your people's prayers? I don't know about you, but when things go wrong in my life, one of the first things I do is I think, okay, what did I do wrong? I I must have done something. And here they are. God, are you angry with our prayers? Is that it? Are you mad at us? Isn't that an amazing phrase? You have fed them with the bread of tears. Here's what they're really saying. God, we thought you cared about us. And the reason we thought you cared about us is because you're the one that put us here in the first place. That's what they're saying in verse 8. You brought a vine out of Egypt. That's them. They're saying, hey, we remember the stories. We were in captivity. We were in Egypt. We were slaves. We called out to you, and Moses showed up, and all the plagues, and you delivered us, and the Red Sea, and all this amazing stuff. You brought us all the way to this land. You got rid of all the enemies. We have built homes and families and lives. We've multiplied. We've spread out this this vine called your people all across this land. This is what you did. And we thought we were your special vine, and this is why we're confused. Why then have you broken down its walls so that all who pass along the way pluck its fruit? I don't know if you've ever had that reaction too, but God, you've done so much for me, and you've, you, you've guided me, and I've followed you, and I'm just confused. Do you care anymore? Why have you let the big boar of the Assyrians trample us? I want you to see that David is complaining to God. He's lodging a complaint. God, you are our shepherd, but you are not protecting your sheep. God, you are our vineyard owner, but you are not doing your job. Friday, um, Cindy asked me, she said, hey, would you call a few people? And I called a man that had been Chuck's pastor for seven years in a very influential time in his life. And I said, hey, have you heard? He goes, yeah, I've been crying all day. And, he, and this is a, a pastor in town. And he said, you know, I just don't understand God. And I don't know if you've ever wondered if it's okay to question God or to express doubts to God. I just want to affirm to you today, yes, it's okay to complain to, dog, to God. It's okay to be honest and open, to call out in pain and anger. It's okay to say, I don't understand you. Why are you letting this happen? But this is what is great about the Psalms. See, there's a difference between lodging a complaint and calling on God to act. And that's what, God, that's what David does here. Look at verse 14. Turn again, God of hosts. I want you to look down and see, have regard, rebuke our enemies, make us strong. There's a phrase in there that many of you who have read the New Testament go, oh, I know what that's talking about. At the very bottom it says, the Son of Man. And we go, oh, yeah, that's what Jesus said he was. But actually, when the time this was written, they were not thinking about Jesus Christ. That was the name that they had for the nation. 
David is saying, strengthen us. Now, years later, Jesus Christ would take this title on himself. But these people, are, they're not thinking about Jesus. They're thinking about themselves. God, make us strong. Put your hand on us. So if you see their lament, they're really kind of saying these four things. Would you, would you see us? More than that, would you have regard for us? Would you rebuke? Would you stop the people that are doing wrong? And would you make us strong? Now, what's the difference between complaining and complaining to God? Complaining is an act of hopelessness. It's where we gripe about our situation to anyone who will listen. Complaining is the last resort of people who have no expectation of change. I hate being around people who complain. I hate listening to people complain and gripe. It just wears me out. And now I even realize at this moment I'm complaining about people who complain. We, we fall into it. We can't help it. We complain. Complaining is for people who've given up. Complaining is when people say, I don't think anyone's going to see me. Even if they see me, I don't think they regard my situation. I don't think my enemy's ever going to be stopped, and I, don't, I just feel weak, and no one's going to ever make me strong. But when you complain to God, that's an act of hope. It's an act of faith that when you say, give ear, oh God, God says, I will. When you lament to God, you are saying, I, God, I'm calling on you. I believe that you, God of hosts, can see me. I believe that you will regard me. I believe that you will rebuke my enemies, and I believe that you will bring me strength. That's what it means to bring a lament to God. This is what it means to take these emotions and anger and pain and confusion, and you look for this river, and you put it in the channel, and you say, okay, I'm going to follow this to him. And when you do that, here's where David ends in verse 18. Then we shall not turn back from you. Give us life. We will call upon your name. This psalm ends with a confession. God, we shall not turn back from you. What they're saying is we have turned from you. We, rec- we confess, God. As we look in our lives, we, we've seen times that we've stopped believing in you and we've turned away from you and we've wandered from you. But today, we turn to you, turn to us. Today, we return to you, restore us. Today, give us life. Shine your face upon us. And the complaints become a confession. And the hurt turns to hope. And that's the point of Advent. So what do you do with this today? I wish I could promise that in every situation, a lament would be immediately answered swiftly and completely. Wouldn't that be great? Wouldn't it be great if the lag time between your complaint and God's action was like 10 minutes? God fixed this. I'm on it. Boom. He does it. But God's timing is uh, not like ours. And if you remember that God's people for centuries, for seven centuries here, called out for rescue. And 700 years after this psalm was written, there was a new boar that began trampling through. It was the Roman Empire. And once again, people were wondering, where's our shepherd? Where's our vine dresser? Where is our God? Where's the Messiah? And God finally spoke into these laments by saying one word, Jesus, the good shepherd, the true vine, the son of man. But again, his arrival was not swift, nor was it expected. In fact, for most of his life, most of God's people had no clue that their prayer had been answered. They're living in the time when the solution, when the answer, when the hope was walking amongst them, and they were like, well, when is that going to happen? 
So I can't guarantee you today that your lament will be answered in the way that you want. What I can offer you today is a portrait of hope. A psalm that helps channel our hearts from being hopeless complainers to confessional people to take our laments to God. And we're going to do that this morning. This morning, we're going to bring our laments to God, to his table. Now, you know if you've been around Pulper Rock for any length of time, the table is huge for us. It is a place of celebration and story and its triumph and its joy. But today, I want to show you the table also as a place of lament. It's where we eat the bread and drink the tears in full measure. And whenever the, the bread and the cup of tears are set out, you better believe you can find the Son of Man sitting there as well. And when you come to the table, what he offers is the reminder, I see you, I regard you, I'm working to stop that, and today I give you strength. And so we're going to be preparing to come to the table, and it's, I want you to hear again today, it is okay to come to the table as yourself, crying out, perhaps you're angry about something, perhaps you're confused about the way he's working. It's okay to come to the table sad and angry as long as you come to the table. When you come to the table, you're admitting that the world is not the way it should be, but the king is coming back. And when we acknowledge the darkness, it makes the light of Advent all the more hopeful because after all, it's the weary world that rejoices. So in a moment, I'm going to pause and I'm going to pray for us and then we're going to move and have our Advent reading and use that time to prepare us and then we're going to invite you to the table of lament. As you are considering this time, my question for you is this, what portrait do you need to bring to God today? Perhaps there's just it's some joy and gratitude and you think, hey, things are okay. I just, I'm just celebrating his gift for me. Today you might be bringing some, something you want him to see, something you want him to regard, something you want him to stop, something you want him to strengthen. Where do you need God's face to shine upon you at Advent this year? Come to the table. And one other thought, it, it might be that you've allowed this portrait over the last year to turn you away from God. I want to remind you that the psalm ends with that confession. We're, we're coming back. And for you, coming back to the table today may be a powerful moment when you say, Lord, I am coming back. I am turning to you. Give me life. And I call on your name. Join me as we prepare in a moment of prayer to take our laments to a God who sees and cares for us. God, thank you that you are not a God of fakeness. You are not a God who expects people to say, I'm doing fine. You listen to our laments. You let us scream and yell and call out and cry to you, and you absorb it all, and you say, I see, I hear, I regard, I act. This morning, Lord, we just invite you on our behalf to allow us to take, uh, take to the table our laments, even as we have the hope and the expectation of the arrival of Christ. In his name we pray, amen. amen. Today we light the first Advent candle, representing hope. What is hope? 
Modern culture tells us it is a maybe, a kind of unsure opposism. But in scripture, hope is an indication of certainty. Hope means a strong and confident expectation. The Israelites were hoping for a savior, their Messiah. God had promised a Messiah and they believed it. They didn't know when or who, but they were waiting, hoping for this Messiah to come. Our Advent reading today comes from the book of Isaiah, a prophecy about that hope that a Messiah would come. A reading from the book of Isaiah. A branch from David's line. Out of the stump of David's family will grow a shoot. Yes, a new branch bearing fruit from the old root. And the spirit of the Lord will rest on him. The spirit of wisdom and understanding. The spirit of counsel and might. The spirit of knowledge and fear of the Lord. He will delight in obeying the Lord. He will not judge by appearance nor make a decision based on hearsay. He will give justice to the poor and make fair decisions for the exploited. The earth will shake at the force of his word and one breath from his mouth will destroy the wicked. He will wear righteousness like a belt and truth like an undergarment. In that day, the wolf and the lamb will live together. The leopard will lie down with the baby goat. The calf and the yearling will be safe with the lion. And a little child will lead them. The cow will graze near the bear. The cub and the calf will lie down together. The lion will eat hay like a cow. The baby will play safely near the hole of the cobra. Yes, a little child will put his hand in a nest of deadly snakes without harm. Nothing will hurt or destroy in all my holy mountain. For as the waters fill the sea, so the earth will be filled with people who know the Lord. In that day, the heir to David's throne will be a banner of salvation to all the world. The nations will rally to him, and the land where he leaves, lives will be a glorious place. God, just as Israel sought a Messiah King, a Savior that would bring hope and peace into the world, we feel that same tension and need today. In a world that is filled with violence, turmoil, and struggling, we cry out, Come, Lord Jesus, come. This candle is a sign of our hope and our expectation that you will redeem us and this world 
with the presence of our kingdom. May your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Amen.